In part one, we laid a broad overview of healing the sick, and we answered these three questions. Number one, is it the will of God to heal? Number two, what reveals the will of God to us? And number three, why don't we always see the sick healed? And in order for this episode to make sense, make sure you listen to part one first, because much of what I'm going to say here will flow from the context and foundation laid there. And in this episode, I want to touch on these three things. Firstly, the Greek word and meaning for the word saved. Now, this will really blow your mind and boost your faith for healing. Secondly, I want to touch on the religious version of the sovereignty of God. This has caused so much damage to us today, but a correct understanding on this could really unleash you to see some powerful moves of God. And thirdly and finally, I want to share one of the most incredible testimonies of a lady I prayed for and how well it illustrates everything that I've shared so far. And I want to encourage you to receive it with an open heart and to humbly listen to this episode in series in its entirety, otherwise you might misunderstand me or completely miss the revelation altogether because some of this may confront you, it may make you uncomfortable, but please hear the grace in it. I say it to exhort us and to share the fruit that I'm seeing in life and hope that you can begin to see that same fruit too. So let's get into it. The Greek word for the word save that we read in our Bibles is the word sozo. And sozo doesn't just mean saved and one day going to heaven, it also means saved, delivered, healed physically, restored, and brought back to original value. And it confirms to us that God's desire to forgive sin is just as much as his desire to heal bodies, and that he paid a price for both of them. And this makes sense because if sickness is a fruit of sin, and Jesus has already dealt with the root of sin, then it makes absolute sense that he paid a price for both of them. That's what sozo is. And this is why we will often see sin and sickness coupled together throughout the scriptures. For example, in Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord and forget not his benefits, the one who forgives my sins and heals all my diseases. What do we see? Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because he paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. In Isaiah 53, he says, He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. What do we see? Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because he paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. In Matthew 9, we read the story of the layman, and Jesus says to him, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. The religious elite get upset, and they say to Jesus, Who are you to forgive sin? And Jesus says to them, well, what's easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk. But to prove to you that even I, the Son of Man, have the authority to forgive sin, I say to this man, rise up and walk. Sure enough, he gets up and walks. What do we see? Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because he paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. In 1 Peter 2.24, he says, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross, and by his stripes we were healed. Now there's two things I want to say about this. Firstly, what do we see? Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because he paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. Secondly, if we compare this verse to Isaiah 53, in Isaiah 53 it says, By his stripes we are healed. Present tense, are healed. In 1 Peter 2.24 it says, By his stripes we were healed. Past tense, were healed. What's the difference? Jesus. When he came, he paid for it all. He settled it. And now after the cross, it's a done deal. In other words, it's a truth from heaven that says to you and I, you were healed. It's a done deal. Or in the words of Jesus, it is finished. But watch this. Truth says you were healed. Yeah, but my facts say that I'm still sick. Yes, but truth has said that you were healed. Yeah, but my facts say that I'm still sick. Yes, but truth has said that you were healed. Yeah, but my facts say that I'm still sick. The biggest problem that we do today is that we elevate our facts above the truth and then wonder why we never experience the reality of the truth. 
We glorify the facts and we camp there and we get run over like a steam chain by the devil because we haven't been established in the faith. God's desire to heal is just as much as his desire to forgive sin. He paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. In James chapter 5, verse 13, he says, If anybody be sick among you, let him come to the elders of the church, and they will anoint him with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal him. Now watch this. He continues on saying, And if he has any sin, that will be forgiven too. What do we see? Sin, sickness, coupled together. Why? Because he paid a price for both of them. That's sozo. You see, the work of the cross was sufficient to meet all our needs. The word sozo doesn't just mean saved and one day going to heaven. It also means saved, delivered, healed physically, restored, brought back to original value as if we never ate from the tree. If sickness is the fruit of sin and Jesus dealt with the root of sin, then the fruit of sickness has been dealt with too. And that's exactly what sozo is. One of the most devastating doctrines in the body today and one that has caused much confusion and actually fed the passivity that we see today is the extreme sovereignty of God doctrine. Now the extreme sovereignty of God doctrine is a religious version of the true sovereignty of God and it's one that says everything that happens is God's will, control or doing. Now it's critical to know that the dictionary definition of sovereignty means supreme power or authority. Not once does it mean in all control. Now, if you talk to me about God being sovereign in the way that the dictionary defines it, I 100% agree. God is sovereign, meaning he is supreme and he has all authority. And in his supreme power and authority, he chose to work through man, through a love relationship, a partnership and a co-mission. And I personally find that such a privilege because what comes with that is responsibility. We have a responsibility in this, a response to his ability. But what religion has done, it has redefined sovereignty to mean in all control. And it has caused us to become passive and unfaithful stewards because now we put everything back on God and then believe whatever will be, will be. So now instead of taking up our dominion and responsibility, we subvert it and we say things like, well, if it's meant to be, it'll be, or if it's God's will to heal, then he'll heal, or if we didn't heal, then it mustn't have been his will. And the only reason why we say these things is because we believe that everything that happens is God's will and doing, or that it's all up to him to make it happen if he wants it done. And so we never contend with the assurance of faith. Instead, we pray from a place of religiosity, not really knowing what will happen, and we treat it no differently than the lottery. And then we wonder why we don't see any great moves of faith. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, this is one of those scriptures that totally opposes this extreme sovereignty of God doctrine. It says, God wills that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God wills that none should perish, yet we know from Jesus and his words that many will go the broad way that leads to destruction. So right there we see that God's will doesn't automatically come to pass. In fact, Jesus taught his disciples to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, again showing us that God's will isn't always happening on earth. In James chapter 4 verses 7, it says, Submit to God and resist the devil. Submit to God and resist the devil. You see, sometimes the things that are opposing us in life are of the devil, not of God. But if you believe that everything is God's will or doing, then you won't resist the devil and he'll get away with murder because you haven't correctly understood your enemy, nor your position in Christ, nor the goodness and character of God. In John chapter 10 verses 10, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. Does sickness steal, kill, and destroy life? Absolutely. And who is the one that steals, kills, and destroys? The thief. 
But the extreme sovereignty of God doctrine teaches that God is in control of all things and therefore sickness must be part of his will. And that's why we see so much passivity today, because we haven't understood who we are because of misleading doctrines like this one, the extreme sovereignty of God doctrine. And if I was a dealer, that's exactly what I'd try to do. I'll get you to blame God and remove me out of the picture because I could cause havoc without any blame and even cause you to have a skewed view of the Father at the same time. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says that we're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We're destroyed for the lack of knowledge, not the will or choice of God. So let's get the knowledge so that we can stop the destruction. Let's get the truth so that we can be free to run this race properly. What's also troubling with the religious definition of sovereignty is that it creates a contradiction and confusion between the Father and the Son and between us and the Father. For example, if sickness was God's will, then why did Jesus command us to pray for the sick? If it's God's sovereign will to let people die of sickness and tragedy, then why does Jesus command us to raise the dead? Because right there you've got the Father and Son at odds and a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If sickness was God's sovereign will, then don't use medicine, don't use doctors, don't use hospitals. Why? Because you'd be going against His will. Instead, pray that it does a full work of death in you. Do you hear how foolish this is? Do you hear how sinister this belief becomes when we really confront it? And can you start to see why we experience so much loss today? Because we've allowed such doctrines to disarm us and it has left us open for point-blank assault by the thief and all the while we're pointing the finger at God. And it's a sad day when the clay rises up against the potter and begins to file accusation. It's such a deception. No wonder why so many people have a distaste for God. No wonder why so many Christians turn away when sickness takes life. Because who wants a father that abuses you for no apparent reason? That is not what the father is like. That is the thief. And even under the old covenant, sickness was listed as a curse in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Not a blessing, it was a curse. Yet sadly, many Christians call sickness a blessing today, yet it was never even considered a blessing in the Old Covenant. In many ways, the Old Covenant is better than the religious ones that we've created and embraced today, because at least there, they rightly list sickness as a curse. But if you see it as a blessing, then you won't fight it. And that's why I covered in part one about the importance of seeing Christ as the revealed will of God, because He changed everything. We now no longer live under that Old Covenant agreement. We live under a more glorious and superior one where Jesus has become the curse for us, freed us from the curse of the law, and where our lives are now hidden in Christ. Now some may ask, well, if God has the power to stop everything, then doesn't He technically allow everything to happen? God cannot violate His word. And by his word, he gave the earth to the children of man. That's Psalm chapter 115, verse 16. So no, he cannot stop what man allows. And that is why he had to become a man to legally redeem man from Adam's choice. Remember, it was Adam's choice, not God's sovereign will. It was Adam's choice. And in his sovereignty and his supreme power and authority, what he does allow is he now allows us to use his name. He allows us to use his authority. He allows us to use his love, his armor, and the keys of the kingdom so that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We're to do the same today. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And then he commissioned us to go into all the world with that authority. It's time to wake up, guys. God is not our enemy. He is a good father and he has given us everything we need to overcome the world and have victory in this life. G.K. Chesterton, a philosopher and theologian of the late 1800s said, as much as we need to win the loss to Christianity, more and more increasingly, we need to win the Christians to Christianity. Barry Bennett, a theology teacher in the US, says, Too many good Christians have been so indoctrinated in unbelief that the truth of God's goodness sounds like error to them. 
We need to win Christians back to the goodness of God, to his nature revealed in Christ. You won't have confidence in God's word if you're not confident in the one who spoke the word. And this is why we must see his goodness so that we can begin to destroy the works of the devil, sickness and disease, just like Jesus did and just like he commanded us to do. I once saw a lady in our local city and she had a crutch and was limping quite bad. So I approached her and asked what happened and she explained to me that she'd had a hip operation several months ago and she's been in constant pain since. And so I asked if I could pray for her and she said no and began to hobble off. And I asked her again, ma'am, please let me pray for you. I believe you can be healed. And again, she said no. But I persisted and asked her one more time, ma'am, please, I don't want anything from you. I just believe that you can be healed of this. And again, she said no. Three strikes, I'm out. So I asked if I could see her hand and she put her hand out and then I placed my hand on top of her hand and then I started to pray. And as I'm praying, I get a word of knowledge that she has one leg shorter than the other. And so I asked her, ma'am, do you have one leg shorter than the other? And she says to me, well, duh, that's what happens when you get a hip operation. And in my mind, I was like, oh, hell no, don't ever speak to me like that again. You know what? Keep your leg. See you later. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I didn't say it, but I I was thinking that. And so I said to her, take a seat on this bench here and let's see the difference. And so we sat down, we lift up her legs, and sure enough, her left leg is shorter by at least eight centimeters. It was a dramatic difference. And so I ask her, have you ever seen a leg grow? And she just stares at me awkwardly as if I'm some crazy nut, and I understand that. And by this time, there's a crowd of 10 to 15 people, there's smokers just watching this lady. And as I'm holding her legs, I say, in the name of Jesus, grow. Over the next minute, we watch this thing come all the way out. And it was one of the most amazing things I'd seen. I'd seen two legs prior to this one, but the length in this one was just mind-blowing. It was it was amazing. And as her leg is growing out, this lady runs over and she says to her, Mom, Mom, are you okay? It turned out to be her daughter. And the lady who I'm praying for was telling her, I can feel my leg growing. I can feel my leg growing. And then I got to say the line, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. <laughs> And it was awesome. And she stood up, she held her crutches above her head and she was saying, praise God, praise God. And it was awesome. But if you just believe that whatever will be, will be, that this must have been God's sovereign will for her to have a shorter leg or to have hip pain. And if that was just the way that you viewed things and that maybe God didn't want her to be healed, then you wouldn't have seen that. But I saw it because I believe that it was God's will to heal. And because I know that in his true sovereignty, he has commissioned and empowered us to heal the sick. And next thing I know, this lady is telling me, oh, I pray every morning, I have the picture of the Lord's Supper in my room. And I start thinking, hang on, five minutes ago, you didn't want nothing to do with me. Now you're trying to tell me that you're a Christian? (laughs) But look, there's a lesson in this too. As long as you believe you can live with the sickness, you will. And that's exactly why I mentioned the words of Jesus in part one. Let it be unto you according to your faith. That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Let it be unto you according to your faith. Your faith gets what it expects. And I'm trying to help us to get what Jesus said we can get. It's the will of God to heal the sick. He paid a price for both sin and sickness. That's sozo. God's will doesn't automatically come to pass. That's why he asked us to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't let the religious version, the extreme sovereignty of God doctrine, do its work of passivity in you and cause you to become an open target for point blank assault by the enemy. We're to resist the devil. That word resist means to actively fight against. We're not passive in this. We are actively fighting against it. And we're not fighting against God. No, we are resisting the enemy, the thief who tries to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And he said, as the Father has sent me, now I send you. Matthew chapter 10 verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Be faithful stewards of the gospel. Know his good nature and you'll know his power 
and you'll set people free. I want to leave you guys with three questions and then I want to pray for you. The first question, are there any areas where I am passively allowing the devil to beat me up and where I need to resist, actively fight against the devil? Second question, are there any areas in my thinking that I need to repent from, that I need I need to change? Maybe it's my perspective of the goodness of God. Maybe it's my perspective of healing or the enemy and my authority, my position in Christ. Whatever that looks like, are there any areas in my thinking that I need to repent to change from? And thirdly and finally, who can I share this message with today? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you paid a price for both sin and sickness and that on the cross it is finished. It's a done deal and you are faithful and sufficient to fulfill that and to meet all our needs today, both spiritually and physically. And I thank you that you are not the thief. You are not the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy from us. You are good to us, and you came to give us life and life abundantly. Help us to know your goodness, Father. Help us to know more about our position in you, our authority in you, our dominion in you. Help us to know more about your goodness so that we can give that same goodness to others around us. Help us to grow in this area of not just healing the sick, but most importantly, our identity. Help us to see who we are because if we see what you see, then we will do what you did. Thank you for being faithful to us. Help us to grow in this area of healing, miracles, signs and wonders, signs that point to the goodness of a loving Father who desires to redeem man, not just spiritually, but also physically. You paid a price and I thank you for that, Father. Thank you for your goodness. We love you and we appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen.